and I will go and practice with my gringo at the farm. And I'll say, hey, hello? Hello. And they will, I just literally like a baby. Say, did I sound okay? Do you understand comprehending? <laughs> it's like, yeah, that, wow, that's awesome. And so it, it helped me and that, the more I were engaging with them, they were doing with me. And so I always know, how do you say this? How did you say that? And they would say, oh, that, we call that that. You know what I mean? So you know, it was always clicking on me. Welcome to the Burning Questions Podcast, your home for conversations about smokes, stories, and substance. I'm your host, Davis Lacey. And as you've already gathered from the cold open of this episode, today, you're in for a real treat. I'm joined on this episode by my friend, Al Gomez. Al grew up in tobacco country in Nicaragua and has seen firsthand how the premium cigar industry has the power to meet the needs of his countrymen. You've already heard what it was like for Al to learn to speak English. In the rest of this conversation, which was recorded live at the LJ Cigar Lounge, Al shares more of his story. What it was like growing up in Nicaragua, how he came to the U.S., and how he is presently using his tobacco and agriculture knowledge to start a company called Reformed Cigars. Reformed Cigars is different from other cigar companies. It's a social enterprise. 100% of the profits are reinvested into the Nicaraguan community to support education, meet physical needs, and plant new churches in an area of need. Enough jabbering from me at this point. Listen now to Al Gomez, my guest on this episode of the Burning Questions podcast. Before we go, before we go any further, right? Let's talk about what we're smoking. So we're both smoking reformed cigars right now, as are many of our uh, our guests here at the LJ Cigar Lounge for this conversation. Which liga of reformed cigars are you smoking? This is a Connecticut. We so the way we have this one in our system, we call the 15 liga and um, so the blend that we have we carry a lot from jalapa in there and the, obviously the wrapper from connecticut really medium mild cigar a lot of flavor in these ones um mainly because jalapa i've had that one and i don't usually smoke connecticut cigars but i really appreciate that connecticut it's it's well constructed um it's very smooth but it's got some flavor to it it's not just air so yeah, yeah, um we got some great feedback on this one it's it's a great it's a great cigar uh, and then my first of probably two this evening, at least, is the C.H. Spurgeon Maduro, and this is the turquoise label. You've got the turquoise label, and you've got sort of the, the royal blue or navy blue label as well. What are the differences between those two ligas? So I was, like I was saying in the beginning, uh, we came with this idea. A lot of guys love, love, love uh, Maduro cigar. And then our team would say, hey, uh, we got guys that love Maduro, but not Maduro that they are so overwhelmed. And so we create the blue t the blue label. That's the one that is like a lot more strength. Okay. Then we have the teal that have the strength, but not overpower. You know, not so much like a lot of strength in that one. So you can handle it, but also you can have that kick in there. Sure. That makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. Um, let's, let's start from brass tacks here, Al, if, if you don't mind. And, uh, you grew up, is it Jalapa or Esteli that Jalapa. you grew up? Jalapa. Jalapa. Okay. So Jalapa is one of the, the major growing valleys in Nicaragua. There's Jalapa, 
Uh, there's Esteli, uh, Condego, is that? Is that Condega. A, Condega? Okay, I almost yep. got it. Yep. Um, and maybe one or two more. Uh, yeah, Ometepe, this is an island that's, a, that's in the other <laughs> side, surrounded by the volcanoes. Okay, fantastic. What was it like growing up in Nicaragua? Man, I everything that I know is two things, right? So obviously it's coffee and it's tobacco. That's, that's what we do in Jalapa. Uh, very rural area, um, soft, they have a lot of suffering as well too from civil war that happened in our country in the 70s. Um, we went through all that story and uh, it's a beautiful country, beautiful land, but it's, it's been in a lot of suffering as well too. A lot of fighting, a lot of internal political issues that we carry. I know there's probably only so much that you can tell me, you know, publicly and in a, in a broadcast format. But can you help our, our listeners just kind of understand um, what is the the unrest, the the revolution or the civil war climate like in in Nicaragua? Uh, paint a picture of, of what that was like growing up in, or, or what that's like for people today. Man, it's a. Uh, <clears throat> It's a very, very sensitive question in the sense of like, you want to kind of want to be in between as a believer, you know, not to favor one to another. Um, but I will say this overall. I think uh, everything is just our human nature, control and power that dominate, you know what I mean? want to dominate the world. I think that that's what happened political in a country that unrest constantly, constantly just trying to, who can dominate, you know what I mean, what side? of this story, like you have the story of Cuba, what happened in embargo as well, how that affect their cigars and all that, that's why they cannot import it in here, political issue as well too. You will have the same issue, the same philosophy of how you rule uh, in Venezuela. Same thing, That that's that's what we've been struggling for centuries in, in Nicaragua. And so that affects a lot the way we live, the way we do things, um, even the way the way we, we see each other in there, the way other nations pursue us as well, too. And, and so, yeah, that's a good takeaway, I guess, because I think most of us in the room are probably familiar with Cuba and, and some of the situation that has been and is there. And similarly with Venezuela, mm-hmm. um, we don't hear a lot, or at least I don't hear a whole lot about Nicaragua and the political climate of Nicaragua, but it's not too much of a stretch to say that you can compare the Nicaraguan situation to a certain generation in Cuba or to a certain generation in Venezuela. Is that is that an accurate I statement? Think to some degree, <clears throat> we have more freedom in Nicaragua. Uh, I'm praying that it will continue the same way. Uh, but yeah, very, very similar. The way we, the way they run, the way they do things and stuff like that. Um, we use a passage in scripture, what belong to Caesar, belong to Caesar, what belong to God, belong to God. If you don't want to get in trouble, you stay in your lane, you do your business, you care for people. But as far as like political issues, that's when, you know, as a church leader, uh, I do this well. You know what I mean? I, I do church well. I love my community. I, if I can support X or J team, and then I will just pray for them. And so that will keep us safe and to continue to do what we do. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so grow up in, in Jalapa. Give me some of the background as to why and how you left Nicaragua to come to the United States, right? I, <clears throat> I have to two part in that story. One is uh, our beautiful uh, country. Always we 
we do what we know in our area. So our area where I grew up, Jalapa, is only agriculture. You have nothing else but just agriculture. That would be corn, rice, big on coffee, obviously number one tobacco. And so I always want to be going to school for agriculture, for all that sector and stuff like that. But we don't have that technology that we have in other country. Um, if I'm honest, I went to school for agriculture. Um, this is what I know as well too, you know, the, the, the tobacco industry. That's what I went to school for. Um, then God opened the opportunity for me to go into business and bankings and stuff like that to keep helping the uh, small farmers to produce uh, tobacco, coffee and all that. But then one day the Lord opened the opportunity to come and learn more in Minnesota about agriculture, stuff that we used to see in magazine combine all the fancy tractors and stuff like that. <laughs> I said, hey, you know what, I'm going to sign up for this, going to Minnesota learn more about it, and then at some point, I want to go back and help my people. That's one side of the story why I left. All right, so this this uh, this this story, we can't, we can't go on without you talking about what's the biggest culture shock moments coming from Central America and then moving to, like, North, Midwest, Minnesota, United States of America. How different was that for you? Man, uh, now... I am married to an American girl, so I want to be sensitive to my white people. <laughs> I, I think that... Do I need to tell her not to listen to this podcast no, no, episode no, when we publish no. it? No, I think it would be good. I think both culture has so much, so much beauty, you know what I mean, uh, in other self. But I would say one of the culture, obviously one, the language. I did not speak any English when I came to the U.S. Wow. And so... Your English is fantastic. Also, I, my, my, part of my family live in Miami. Uh, like you feel like you are in Nicaragua because you will not miss anything being in Miami and so you don't even miss the language or anything like that um, but at some point I say hey I, I am in a culture I am in a country that primarily speak English uh, I believe this is the second largest countries that speak Spanish mm -hmm. I, I would say that's what um, some of the magazine that I was reading said um, but I want to I wanna learn the language I want to how to connect with the people that live in this area that belong to this area so I choose to move to Minnesota to a small towns, and I begin to understand how American work and stuff like that. Now the difference over there is people work, go to bed. People work and go to bed. Versus in, in our land, we do life. You know, we work, but we do a lot of what you guys are doing right now at any at any part of the day. So that was one of the the harder thing. No, the harder the thing is like, hey. I want to go and see my brother Davis. I go and knock the door. I don't make an appointment or anything like that. And I drop to your house and I say, dude, I'm busy or I'm going to do something. You should have come in two days before. I think that was huge. That was, that was hard for me to adapt to this lifestyle um, where everything run by time. Obviously, it's busy. Now I'm, I'm in, in the other side when people say, hey, I want to come to your house. Dude, I'm busy. I got this going on and all that. So it's a busy area. Sure, that makes sense. Okay, so we've gotten the one side of the story about how you moved uh, from Nicaragua to Minnesota, and part of that was to study agriculture, to study uh, different farming techniques and methods. Um, but we'll get into maybe the other side of the story now as well. And so when we're talking about reformed cigars, we can't talk about the story of this company and the vision of this company mm -hmm. apart from talking about you and uh, your walk with Jesus. So talk to me about that, man. Talk to me about growing up uh, in Nicaragua and not following Jesus and then how you met Jesus and then what it was like, you know, to sort of get this vision for tobacco uh, as a way that you can serve the Lord. Awesome, man. I think a couple things in there. Uh, one is 
<clears throat> when we talk about Christianity, um, in part of the history of the Reformation of the 500s, um, the missionaries that went to Latin America to share the gospel, um, and that's when we get into <laughs> a little bit of our theological spectrum, right? Armenians and reformers uh, were more Calvinistic uh, philosophy and the way we do things. So a lot of the, the people that went to our area to share the gospel were more Armenian side. Uh, and one say, in one part of that that team that went to those areas were more legalistic, and so that's the seed that was planted in our area. So by, so by legalistic. Because I think that looking around the room, I'm assuming that most of us who've grown up in LJ probably have some experience of legalistic church culture. No, I have. So talk to me about what that looks like in Nicaragua. For example, let me give you an idea. Um, we roll cigar, and I will say that we have some of the best roll, rollers in the world in, the, in this industry, right? We're known for that. But it's crazy that you go there and you expect that people will be smoking cigar in the street or in any other place. We don't smoke cigar. People don't doesn't know the culture of the cigar. They know how to produce a great tobacco, roll it really well. They know all that uh, technical aspect of the cigar. But the culture behind this, um, everybody affiliates cigar with cigarette. It's mm. a whole different culture. You know what I mean? This is to me like wine. This is to me just like coffee. You know what I mean? You blend, you look the soil. You look the strength, the, the profile of, uh, of the flavor that you're looking for into that. That's the beauty of this, right? So when you speak to people, another church believer, uh, another church people will see me smoking or enjoying this beautiful time. They'll say, hey, that is sinful, right? Um, but it's because that's what the tradition say. Now, would you prove that with me in the scripture mm. that is sinful? They will not have ground to tell you why the scripture don't allow smoke or no smoke. So part of that is just one, one, one component. So I grew up in that culture where everything is wrong. And I grew up in a church, uh, when I came to faith, my church, I love that church. By the way, I was introduced to Jesus because of then I know Jesus. But the way they do church is, man, it's very legalistic where you can, you know, you're sure, you can do a lot of things that are very, based on rule, not based on the fellowship and the relationship with Christ. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, Reform Cigars, uh, talk to me about why you named the company Reform Cigars, mm -hmm. and you, you talked about, show me in the scriptures where it says I can't smoke a cigar. <laughs> so I'm looking at the guy on here, and it's Charles Spurgeon, and Spurgeon is famous for his quote, I intend to go to bed tonight and smoke a cigar to the glory of God, and so I use that most every night when I smoke a cigar before I go to bed. Uh, but Spurgeon also said, hey, there's 10 commandments. I have a hard enough time keeping them. Show me where thou shalt not smoke is in the scriptures and I'm happy to give this up. But until I'm convinced, I, I receive this as a gift from the Lord and I'm gonna use it. So it seems like a lot of that philosophy is why you have Spurgeon as the mascot. It, in addition to the fact that he was a prolific cigar smoker. Man, the mission behind his preaching, you know what I mean? Uh, we call the Prince of Preachers. Um, the orphaned, all the mission of minded that he has in, 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 in his ministry was incredible. Um, but part of that, when I came here and I was introduced to the biblical gospel, I was like, man, how in the world I never heard this before. I, I know Jesus, I know everything in the scripture, but I never, never was exposed to a biblical uh, gospel, a really good sound doctrine that, that preached the grace of God, you know? 
Um, so we've been, so because how narcissistic is our leaders and stuff like that. Mm. And so we manipulate the scripture just to control the life of the people. Mm. And then we twist it so we can control their money, their finances, the, what they do, the way they behave. And everything is based on behavior modification, mm. but not truly relationship with Christ. So that component right there, that's what I was missing. I was, I was always at church and, and preachers and people, it was about what not to do, what not to do. And so for me, it was exhausted. So when I came here and I was exposed to biblical gospel in my church, man, I was so, I was so curious. And I, I debated a guy for a year uh, as far as Reformed theology. He had nothing to offer but just the scripture. He said, just read the text. He never walked me through Spurgeon or any other Calvinistic great theologians that we have. But he was more, go to the source, go to the Bible, go to the Bible. It was so fascinating that the Bible itself it was enough for me to be convinced about the grace of God and how beautiful is His law. Apart from that, I was introduced to Reformed theology. And I was like super amazed uh, about Reformed theology. I began to read, read, read. Then I talked to my pastor, hey man, uh, I love this. Um, I want to go back to Nicaragua and just tell about our people about the beautiful grace of God. Right? It's not based on work or behavior modification. It's about the beautiful relationship because what he did in a cross for us, not what I can do for him, but what he did, how he started that initial love for us. And so that alone was huge for me to go back home to tell everybody about this beautiful king who died for me. He didn't expect anything from me. You know what I mean? Everything was an action of a first love that he has for me. And so that began to read more and more, and then God gave me an opportunity to go to Midwestern. I believe you went to Midwestern as I well. I did too, go to Midwestern, to absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, we have what the great museums about what the Spurgeon Library. Absolutely, absolutely. Everything that we have about Spurgeon, I fall in love with them. Fall in love as well with his preaching, with his mission, the person who he is. And so one day I went back home, and I was talking with my pastors. And I'm like, and I look at, uh, uh, we have a small church, about 40 people. Every single one of them, a lot of them work in the cigar industry. A lot of them work, work for Pardomo, Drew Estate, Placencia, all the big companies. And I was looking around and I said, man, I, I fundraise, by the way, if you want to donate to our ministry. <laughs> <laughs> so I fundraise money for the church planting, to support kids, to support the students. That's what I do. One day I was like uh, with my pastor and I was looking at the budget, was running low, we cannot get people to give. And I'm like somehow one of those beautiful moments that the light comes in and say, wait, I know friends in the United States that it's not sinful for, not sinful for them to smoke. And they love us, you know, great pastor. I wonder if we can roll some cigars. Wonder if we can do some of this good stuff that you already guys know how to do really well for a, you know, for all the company. So I did that with them, and then I brought it to the U.S. And then some of the pastors were fascinated and said, dude, then why do I have to go and buy an OYC company when I can support this ministry and then we have a great cigar? So they encourage us and they give some money to us to keep rolling, to keep making it. Another day, I remind that Spurgeon was the one of number one that known for smoking great cigar and writing his sermon. And I told my leaders, hey, we got a really beautiful machine that was donated for us. I say, hey, can, can we do a Spurgeon box? Can we work with them? Can we do the label? And then I'm going to bring it to some of my amazing theologians over there in the United States. They were fascinated, man. I say, why do you not create this brand 
about reforms he got for us, you know, and I think you will have enough people that will support this. And little by little, man, including you, um, we begin to dream. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. It's, it's very hard. I know friends that produce, produce tobacco for some of the biggest companies in the world. They cannot get into the market. They cannot get into the market. But you know what? We serve a beautiful God. And so we came with these reformed cigars, and then we tested with different friends and, and, and people. And brother, we literally, we're not there yet, but we're dreaming how this will support church planter, how this will support education for other students, and how this will serve the mission of God as well too. So if you're not familiar with Charles Spurgeon, you're probably lost on this conversation. Let me, let me tell you why I named a, a, a son Haddon. So Charles Haddon Spurgeon, I have a son named after this man. Uh, he loved the Lord, he loved lost people, and he loved life in that order. And so a, a great story about Spurgeon is he had a guy come and preach at his church, and the guy gets up and has no idea Spurgeon is a cigar smoker, and he preaches a sermon on the evils of cigar smoking. And Spurgeon sits there the entire time, and he's listening to the sermon, and he's listening to the sermon. So the guy finishes the sermon, sits down, and Spurgeon stands up, and he says, well, notwithstanding what the good brother has said, uh, I do intend to go home and smoke a cigar to the glory of God tonight before I go to bed. And uh, he said, that's, that's his quote about, uh, show, me, show me the 11th commandment, right? Show me thou shalt not smoke and I'm ready to keep it. Another great story is when he's walking with some of his Bible college students, they're taking a walk around London and all of these young men are pulling out their pipes and cigars to smoke. And Spurgeon sees them and he looks at his watch and he's like, it's not even lunchtime. Aren't you ashamed of yourselves? And so they all put their stuff away, and as soon as everybody's put their pipes away and put their cigars away, Spurgeon pulls out a cigar case and lights up a cigar, and he says, I asked if you were ashamed. I most certainly am not. <laughs> and goes right on walking around, and so they all pull their, their pipes back. So that's, that's why when, you know, we've got Spurgeon's picture on the wall on the stairs. Mm. Uh, I love him for so many reasons, but his passion for and his theology behind cigar smoking is one of them. So tell me this, I, I, twofold question here. Number one is I want to talk to you about some of the companies that you've mentioned, right? Some of the companies that we sell, Padron, Perdomo, Aganorsa Leaf, Drew Estate, uh, Placencia. Um, and then I want to ask how your company's a little bit different. But let's start with Nicaraguan tobacco industry in general. How do big companies that we're familiar with, that we sell in our humidor, how do they help the people and help the local economy and do good for the country of Nicaragua? Man, um, I will say this, there are some of our area that without, without the tobacco industry, for example, Jalapa, uh, they will not have nothing else but just migrate to the United States or, or some other country, because that's, that's the only thing that sustains our economy. Um, in that sense, man, we're super grateful with all this industry that have been growing for the last 40 years. They've been doing a phenomenal job, you know, and they provide a lot of jobs. Um, in those places. I mean, some of those like Drew Estate, Padron, Placencia, I mean, they host more than 5,000 people in there, 10,000 people. You know what I mean? Would you imagine those people without that industry? There's nothing else to do. You can, you can tell the difference when you go to different part of another country, very isolated, very dead. There's not much to do in there. There's a lot of more crime in those areas. When you go to our area like Esteli, Condega, Jalapa, and all that tobacco region, I mean, the, the, the crimes are, are low rate because the cigar industry it produces a lot of work for those for those people so it bring a lot to our economy and to our families as well we're grateful with them absolutely so that certainly is part of your vision of employment and 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 providing uh jobs and economic stimulation for your region 
Uh, but talk to me a little bit about how Reform Cigars is different. Specifically, the vision of your company is to take all of the proceeds and the profits from the sale of your cigars and reinvest them back into the local community in Nicaragua. So what are some of the investments that you're hoping to make? <clears throat> I'm, a, I'm a big guy in education. You know, um, one of the beauty of the U.S. is that you can graduate high school and then you can work anywhere else. You know, um, in Nicaragua, to finish high school, it's not good enough. It's not far enough. You know, you gotta go push for college. So a lot of our kids don't have those opportunities. So we don't have program for that. We don't have anything for those guys. So part of part of our dream is like, you know, I'm, I've been blessed and <laughs> I, I actually was preaching in my church on this past Sunday uh, about like, yeah, we read the scripture, but sometimes we don't get into the beauty of that, right? We like, we get so familiar with it and we just let go by. I remember when the first time I came to the U.S., and this is, this is not a joke, this is, this is a true story. Man, I remember that I went to Walmart and I told my brother, my brother, would you take a picture of me in front of Walmart sign that I'm here in the United States? Wow. Place? Um, he's been here for a very long time. And he's like, no, dude, I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? Because he was ashamed of like, what people will think about me. He's like, I care about you, dude, I'm at Walmart. Please take a picture. You know what I mean? He's like looking around. He took a picture really quick. Then we went to Best Buy. Holy moly, this is amazing. Can you take a picture in front of this giant TV in here and all this stuff? I'm like, please stop. Don't do this to me, you know? Um, that's... Just, just to give you a little glimpses of what we don't have back home. You know what I mean? And so I've been blessed to be in this amazing nation that I love, I pray, and I hope God continue to bless America. And so it, it, it blessed a big time in our country. And so for me, man, to, to do this, it's all the relationship that I can create. This opportunity that you are creating for us in here is huge. Why? Because through this, I can support education to our kids. I can tell a guy who's going to Nepal next week to serve the Lord that we can provide for him out of this. That you go on over there and scan the, the QR code and then you donate money, that money go to those guys. You know, to our pastor over there, they don't have money to sustain the building and all that. We pay out of this, you know what I mean? So that's what I, I, I ask the Lord. Can, they be, can this be 100% missional? That everything will go back to our community. There is conversation with other investors but I'm careful with that because what I'm praying is how do all this will go back home and sustain, you know what I mean, our people. That makes sense. That, that makes I think that is the difference we want to create, where the profit will go, you know what I mean? So it's not only one ruler, they want to create his own kingdom, but instead distribute that into our people who does the hard work. Yeah. Big fan of that, man. I'm a big fan of your work. Um, I'm a big fan of cigars and cigar smoking. Uh, in Christian circles, not everyone is, and you've even alluded to that, that you've received pushback for, for your style of business and, and how you've integrated that with your faith. Talk to me a little bit about how you handle that pushback and, and then maybe even encourage us, man. How do, we, uh, how do we do what our conscience tells us we should do, what the Lord's telling us to do, even if people oppose us and push back against that? Give us some, give us some wisdom there. <laughs> I think my wife will be in a, in a perfect example. She was opposed to it okay. in the beginning. Uh, some of my family as well. I think it's just like anything else, you know. When you want to tell people about Jesus, people you think you, you're forcing people to, to kind of like uh, 
kind of like, are you going to help them to how behave well? That's the first instant when people think about church, people think about relationship with God and say, hey, I don't want to give up and this, this, and this. But actually, you know, when we share the gospel, when we share love, it's based on love. Not about how you control you know, any of those things. I think as you got industry, the same thing. Because people doesn't know the nature and the product and how the product has been built, what is behind the scene. I think if people, like when you take your time and say, look, man, the soil, the leaf, the hard work, how you combine flavors and all that, I think it gives us an opportunity to educate that people. I would say education, time, relationship with them. But, you know, people will judge us no matter what, and then we cannot control that. But if they give us a chance to have a really great conversation, they understand the nature of the product, I think they will appreciate it. They will understand more. Uh, so I'm not expecting that everybody will be 100% with us. You know what I mean? I, for sure, a lot of people will say, you know, I'm not in this. Um, they will judge us and all that. But there will be the other crowd and say, I get it, man. I love it. You know, I never thought about that. That's my wife. You know? Awesome. My wife is like, wow, I love this. Yeah, you take time. Hey, can you watch this video with me? Can you go to the field? You see those people? You know what I mean? I brought my wife the other day here. They said, what do you see here? Jalapa, 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 jalapa. Nicaragua, Nicaragua, Nicaragua. You feel proud about that? So let, now let's dig in. What is the product it's all about? You know what I mean? Makes good sense to me. Makes good sense to me. Uh, well, brother, thank you so much for spending some time with us. And we're going to give our folks some on-ramps on how they can, they can uh, sample your cigars and donate to the ministry to support the work that you're talking about. Uh, but just for folks here and then folks that maybe are listening to this in a podcast, how can we follow along with uh, Reform Cigars? How can we track along with the work that you guys are doing? I mean, great question. So we, we have coffee and we have cigar. Um, one product is totally different than the other. The other one is more simple. How do we can get into the markets and stuff like that? This one, um, obviously, you know a lot more than probably me how to handle FDI and all the stuff, the IRS and all that. It, it's been difficult. It's been a really hard road for us to get into it. So right now, we are in the sense of like, okay, how do we do this, you know, the legal aspect, how that component will continue to be missional and at the same time will continue to be faithful with the other rules that we need to follow in the state. So we are in that season right now that people love our product, want our product, but we are praying how that will, that uh, next step will take place. So right now, people can follow us only on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, the reason being, we're trying to figure out our website, how that will place out and continue to fulfill the mission behind it. We don't wanna be, you know I mean? Okay, there's a demand of this amount, this amount of cigar. And we have to kind of tell people, hey, now we have to work 12 hours, this many hours. We, we want them to have the lifestyle that we, we feel God is calling us to do. And it's to support them and to have a really good lifestyle back home. And so that's where we're at right now. For now, man, it'll be mainly Facebook. You know what I mean? Reform a cigar and an Instagram reform a cigar. I think we're close to finish with our website. Language um, is the same as a cultivate.com. 435.com is the same language. But as far as that, that's where we're at right now. Like, okay, where are we gonna be located? Texas or Florida? So we're having all those conversations at this moment right now. So mainly Facebook and Instagram. Makes good sense to me. Makes good sense to me. Well, brother, I'm thrilled that you're here, thrilled that we had to have this conversation, um, thrilled to be smoking this wonderful cigar. It's delicious, um, as, as all of the ones that I've tried from some form, reformed cigars. Um, so thanks so much for what you're doing. Uh, thanks for providing this product for us, and thanks for spending a few moments here on the Burning Questions podcast. 
Man, I'm so grateful. Thank you for having us. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Burning Questions podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Al Gomez or about reformed cigars, be sure to check out cultivate435.com or do a Facebook search for reformed cigars. And if you're enjoying these conversations, please help us spread the word about the Burning Questions podcast to others. Subscribe to our podcast, leave the Burning Questions podcast a five-star review, or simply share content like this with your friends on social media. We'll be back next month with another full-length episode. Until then, be sure to get in touch with us by emailing hello at burningquestionspodcast.com. Thanks again for listening. I look forward to welcoming you into our next conversation here on the Burning Questions podcast.